Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, I'm surprised the Brewers didn't shell out for one of us to be in the outfield, too, with the way they're throwing around prospects and money today. (laughs) Yeah, I know it. I know it. Uh, It's a a big day for you. I'm living the dream. My team is a buyer. We still have prospects in the pipeline. Somehow we have four guys who are starting caliber outfielders on the you know, big league roster right now, which yes, every, yes. everything I'm seeing says they're going to trade the youngest and cheapest of those guys. Cause obviously that's what you do. Right. Um, but that's, you know, that wasn't even on our agenda. This is all stuff no. that popped up late. Let's start, uh, let's start with the most important thing on our agenda, which is what's going on in Vince McMahon's world. Raw that's 25, right. big, big week. Yeah. Raw 25 on Monday. XFL on Thursday. Let's start yep. with let's start with his original baby, professional That's wrestling. Right. That's right. Yep, yep. It was uh, it was a memorable night. Uh, you know, fun fun for nostalgia purposes. If you were a fan of pro wrestling in the you know late nineties, early two thousands, uh, which was really a golden age of pro wrestling. Uh, you know, you got to see a lot of old faces back, which was you know. As we've discussed before, that's one of the things wrestling can do. It can make you feel like you've been transported back in time. It made the gimmicks the show, and that made me happy. You know, Austin yes. came out. I mean, the great thing for me is, as somebody who doesn't closely follow modern wrestling, right. get, getting to check back in and see everything that I had hoped to see from when I was 15 so exactly. you, no, it was yeah, it was the same for me. I mean, I, I watch it. Uh, I watch it, but let's say this: most weeks I watch it on fast forward. I start at about seven o'clock. I catch up to where we are live. I go watch something else. I come back and watch the rest. And I usually watch it in about probably about an hour of time, sometimes less. This one I watched all the way through live um, because it was that trip back in time. Um, you know, it was, it was seeing stone cold and Shawn Michaels and the undertaker and Chris Jericho and Ric Flair. And, uh, you know, and that was, that was, those were the days, man. I mean, you know, it don't sound like an old man, but truly those were the days and yeah, I miss them. It's just not, it's not nearly the same now. I watched it on tape. I was watching it live for the first hour on Monday and I watched the rest on the DVR yesterday and I texted you as I was leaving yes. after I watched it that, you know, listening to the Road Dog do <laughs> the intro for the New Age Outlaws no doubt. transported no me doubt. back to being 14. Yeah, um, I mean, you know it's coming, and, and I don't know about you, but I said it right along with him as I watched it. Um, and it was it was great. The only thing I, I you know, of course, sort of you know, uh, missed was WWF. They, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's a company man now. He's the writer for SmackDown. So he's, he's towing the line. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the old days was WWF tag team champions, but things have changed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was great, you know, seeing, seeing the undertaker come out, seeing stone cold as we texted about during the show. I mean, it, you know, Vince playing the evil bad guy, sound of the glass breaking stone cold marches down to the ring stunners drinks a beer flips off some people and leaves i mean it, it was like going back to 1998 all over again yeah undertaker cuts a an awkward promo uh without them turning out the lights which right which yeah. was strange especially uh, considering i don't know i mean i they did I, it for some for uh Crawford later yeah. that, you know that maybe they couldn't do it in a place like that but yeah they did it for bray wyatt and they did it for dx so i, I don't quite know what that was all about um Seems strange, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. You know, it was, I felt like some, in some ways it was a show they tried to cram too much into. They tried to continue current stories. Um, and it led to, you know, Ric Flair got like, what, 30 seconds. Chris Jericho got about a minute backstage. Um, you know, I, I could have used more of them, um, because that was why I was excited for it. And I think that's why a lot of people were excited for it, but that's the nature of the beast, I guess. My my quick bullet points of things that were not as perfect as I had wanted. One, notable absences of critical people. No Sable, yeah. no McFoley, no The Rock. No Rock and no Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hogan, know, I understand. Ho- Hogan, I get. Notable, uh, I, I, I eventually do believe, and I think it's coming sooner than later, that they will 
reunite with Hulk Hogan. Um, that would have been an, an interesting time to do it, but you know, uh, I get it. Um, but yeah, to, to not have the rock and to not have Mick Foley, to not have edge, you know, when Christian was on, I mean, and some of it, I mean, you know, apparently Foley had a, uh, you know, health reason, I believe edge is, is shooting a movie. Uh, you know, the rock is, super duper famous you know um so i don't think it was because of any hard feelings on those guys parts but just didn't work out and and ultimately again i felt like they crammed in so much anyway that you think boy if they'd had all those other people how do you fit it into three hours um but yeah i agree there there were a few names that you know certainly the rock i think is the you know hogan hogan was a huge part of wwf but really by the time raw started hogan wasn't Hogan anymore and and you know then he left for WCW and kind of had a second life over there um but The Rock was a huge part of Raw I mean Raw is what it is because of Austin and The Rock basically and it was too bad not to see him there at all my my other nitpick as a fan of the era we were celebrating when DX came out and everything yeah I, I like that they brought out Scott Hall as Razor Ramon. Yes. I wish that yes. Kevin Nash had been there as Diesel. That would have been great. Me too. Me but, too. but my one criticism of it was the pedigree is a fine finisher. They should have gone sweet chin music to just lights out. They didn't need they didn't need him I to know. kick him into a pedigree so that Triple H could end. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it it uh you know, for for the people who and, and I think they're you know, they're right. I mean Triple H runs the show, and Triple H is, is, I mean, that's what makes DX so funny now when they get back together, is that Triple H goes from the suit-wearing CEO authority figure to, you know, rebel Triple H. But in reality, he's, he's the COO of the company. I mean, he is a suit. Um, and, you know, so, uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to pump himself up and probably, you know, if you want to say, well, that was Triple H's ego making himself the center of attention, that's a pretty good example. And the whole promo was too. I mean, he was the one who got to deliver all the lines. Um, you know, I read a joke on Twitter. Somebody put up, you know, is anybody going to tell triple H that DX wasn't actually on the first raw? Um, because you know, the way he was talking, you would have thought they started on the first raw. Um, but that's triple H. He, you know, he, he was great, but he's got an ego like, like every great one, I suppose. And he gets a chance to soothe that ego because he's in power. So why not? All right, we've given in and given our rant, but on the theme of everything that's old is new again, today the XFL is running for president in 2020, and <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, an interesting idea, you know, in, in the same vein of what I was going to say about, you know, what I was saying about Triple H's ego. Vince has got a massive ego, and you know it was it was no surprise to me, of course, that the McMahons got to start the show. Even though it probably you know could have thought of other things, but the McMahons put themselves center of attention. Certainly, Vince was, and and this is another venture, you know, um, getting getting that ego out there, and and uh, you know, let's not let's not ignore the political overtones of this announcement today. That uh, the color scheme stand change for the anthem. Yeah. Uh, well, that you know, everyone's going to stand for the anthem. If you have a criminal record, you're not going to be part of the league, which I think is just uh, insane. Uh, I mean, you know, am I advocating that it should be a league full of rapists and murderers? No, but you're telling me that you know you're going to disqualify a player if he got you know arrested for shoplifting. Well, when he was how in about high school. how about Heisman uh, Trophy winner Johnny Manziel? Johnny Manziel, who would be a huge draw for the league. Um, now it's it's I mean. The other thing is, it's two years off. You know, Manziel's trying to make a comeback now. Um, you know, apparently maybe in the CFL and, you know, trying to get back in the NFL. And so is he, who knows where he's going to be in two years? Who, God knows. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, if, if, uh, if the league was starting now, he would be a marquee name to build the league around. So I don't quite understand that, but it's very much a, uh, you know, it's a pushback to a lot of people's complaints about the NFL right now that it's, uh, uh, well, you know, just just saying it, you know, it's become too liberal, too much political protest, too many bad guys. Um, put in your racial overtones there if you want. Uh, and I think there is, uh, you know, this is, I mean, let's not forget, 
that, you know, I don't want to get too political, but Vince McMahon's wife is in the cabinet for Donald Trump. So there is a direct connection there. And you can you could feel the overtones coming in this announcement. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and the other thing that to me smacks of contradiction is the suggestion that they're going to consult with doctors and technology experts and try to make the league safer. But we want to return to what we love about football. Football. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting because it's kind of, to me, you know, again, drawing parallels to wrestling, we talked about, you know, the golden age of wrestling was late nineties, early two thousands when it was the attitude era, when they, you know, when they cursed, when they, you know, made a lot of, you know, sexual jokes when they, you know, things were different. They were edgy and now they've gone PG and they've gone family friendly and they've gone, you know, mainstream and the XFL kind of, you know, the XFL in 2001 was, we are going to be the league of outlaws, rebels. And now it's like, you know, nope, we're going to be the league that respects the flag and takes care of our players. Like uh, what, what, what exactly is this? What, what are you trying to be? Well, I also thought some of the things, and like you said, it's two years off, but some of the things he said that were of interest to me were the 10-week season but 52-week contract and the basically just complete overhaul and change of what the XFL was. I wonder what he's going to do as far as team names and things like that. It seems like like this is a more conventional – attempt at a football league which is probably smart i mean some of the gimmicks were just dumb they really were the whole you know we're not going to do kickoffs we're going to have you know a a a scrum at midfield like a rugby game um you know we're not going to allow extra points i mean it's just it was kind of stupid um that you know nicknames on the jerseys obviously that's the legacy of that league with he hate me and those guys um and this seems like from what i've read i've read a ton it's a bit of a more like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna play traditional classic football, but we're gonna give you some things that the NFL isn't giving you. It does it? I mean, does it have a chance? Maybe, uh, but I, I mean, I kind of agree with the PTI guys. I re- I listened to their take on it earlier. And is there an appetite for more football right now? I mean, isn't the appetite for football in general kind of? I don't want to say dying, but decreasing. I mean, you know, the, the numbers back it up. It is decreasing. Not in a huge ways, but it's dropping. So is there an appetite for more? I, I don't know. The suggestion that he made during the press conference that I thought was dead on accurate, though, is live sports cuts through the, uh, the DVRification and it the, does. you know, just the a la carte viewing of people. No question. No question. But, that is true. And I wonder, you know, he suggested places like Facebook and Twitter and Amazon are are craving content. Right. You know, I've also seen the suggestion that, you know, similar to what he did with WWE, he'll just create an app and that'll be how you can watch it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, it'll be interesting how they go about doing it. And, um, you know, as, as somebody who thinks that the NFL is, is one of the more arrogant organizations in the world um you know i don't i don't mind seeing someone you know throw a high fastball at their head um if he can do that but you know i just i just don't know i don't know is is the organization there is the is the support there is is uh where are you going to do it what cities are you going to do it in um you know what kind of players are you going to get i mean because you're i mean while he's right live sports does cut through the you know you know, it's the one thing that is still consistent about TV. Um, you also have to have a reason to care. Uh, you know, I mean, the reason we care about live sports is because we watch the NFL or the NBA or college basketball to just manufacture a league. Are people going to care? I, I don't know. They might, but they might not. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, regardless, you know, for... The, the one thing for for me, I thought is you know, hey, this gives gives guys a chance who wash out of the NFL might be kind of fun, um, you know, to see their you know guy like Manziel or Robert Griffin or Tim Tebow or something like that. Um, you know, I I kind of have an appetite for that, but I'm not sure how many other people do. I I don't know if that's a overwhelming feeling or just me. 
Uh, it's Vince Young. It's the return of Vince Young. Well, you know, but uh, being a, if we're going to listen to Vince, uh, Vince Young's going to be disqualified too because he got a DUI. So I mean, that, you know, that's the thing. You're gonna you're just going to toss everybody that is notable. You yeah, know, there's going to no be no Vince. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I just like I, I don't know. I, again, I mean, I get the idea behind it, but it's just it's stupid to me. Uh, you know, like again, where are you going to draw the line? So everybody who's been you know arrested is going to be ineligible, that, that league is not going to be very good. We've, it's like we talked about with recruiting. You know, if you're going to recruit a team of choir boys, get ready to not win very much. Yeah. Speaking of recruiting, that was a professional segue. It was. It um, was actually, yeah. Turns out you have to do it when you're a college coach. And, <laughs> and the new leadership model had a bunch of suggestions for how we're going to revamp things didn't totally account for the head coach needing to recruit people. Yeah, I, I mean, now, uh, you read that that thing I sent you. I mean, being totally honest, what did you think of it? What, was it as bad as people made it out to be? I don't think it was as bad. So we're, what we're talking about is the Herm Edwards interview, um, and it didn't sound good. It sounded like a guy no. who didn't understand the you know the difference between – the NFL, where you draft players who are right. then bound to your team or sign free agents who choose to go there based on your needs and their wants and money. Yes. Uh, yes. And how teams at the bottom can benefit because in the draft, right. then they have high picks and they get better players. Whereas in college, the good players want to go to the already good, go to the teams. good teams. Yeah. And, yeah, and no, apparently, I mean. that concept was lost on the new head ball coach yeah i mean it, it to me is one of those another another example and we've had several already and i think we're probably going to have more where he says something that if if you if you look at it you think well you know okay really wasn't wasn't that but the way he says it to, to basically kind of you know almost spin a yarn about you know boy i just didn't realize you had to go into these kids living rooms and recruit like uh-huh. Uh, you know, I mean, like, do I really think that that's what he meant? Like, I didn't know you had to recruit, and I thought this was like the draft. No, I, I, I don't. Well, I mean, no, look, I, you know. And I want to be but, clear. I, I don't think that either, but what it does is it goes along with the devils. I'm a good Catholic Christian. Exactly. I, don't talk to me about devils. It's like, do you understand 100%. what job you took? You're a head football that's, coach of a college That is the team. one I was thinking of when, when I was saying, you know, like, it just, I think sometimes he is... He's going to be, I mean, and, and this goes back to his NFL career, he's going to be one of those people who says things that it'd probably be better not to say. Um, and in a way, it'd probably be better not to say them. You know, like, he's not a button-down kind of guy. He's not a guy, he might not be a guy who thinks before he talks. He just talks. And and that's going to get you easily made fun of. I mean, what is the most memorable thing about his NFL career? Not the times he went to the playoffs, but his his press conference rant about you play to win the game that is what people remember that is what got him on commercials so uh, you know he this is who he is we're just going to have to get used to it i guess so here's my take on that if you win with that attitude yeah. and that personality you are a colorful character like mike sure. Leach. sure if you lose you're just out of a job it's a very fine line, no doubt. I mean, Mike Leach is a great example. If if Mike Leach, you know, had gone to had, had gotten the job at Texas Tech, or even more so at Washington State, where his weirdness has really, you know, come to the forefront, if he was going four and eight, he'd be fired, and it'd be like this guy's nuts, and he's a, he's an idiot. But because he goes nine and three, it's like, boy, that guy is a he's a you know evil genius. He's you know, colorful, he's crazy. He's but colorful. yeah, you know, boy, that guy can coach. So you're right. I mean, it's all. As we've said over and over and over, every time we've talked about Herm Edwards from when he was a candidate all the way through now, it's about the results. It's about if he wins games and wins a lot of games. If he goes two and ten, it's going to be a disaster. If he goes ten and two, we're going to say, "Well, that guy, he's kind of nutty, but boy, he, he knows what he's doing. Somebody knew what they were doing, bringing him in." I'm not confident. I guess no, that's where I'm. I mean, it, it, <laughs> the, the you know sending I sent you that, and, and it, you know the the thing I I think it was even you know whoever tweeted that kind of said it, but you know it's just every time he talks, every time he's in the news, it makes it harder for my desire to be optimistic to remain 
that way. Like, I, I want to be optimistic because I'm an ASU fan. He's the ASU coach, and I want to believe that things will go well. Uh, but it's, you know, it's hard. Like, you know, I'm, I'm fighting against, uh, you know, the tide right now, basically, and trying to remain that way. Well, it immediately, immediately feels like any success will be in spite of him. To me. Yeah, it does. It really does. You're right. Yeah. And, and look, we're not, we're not a program that's positioned to win in spite of anyone. Like we, we need, we never, we need everybody going full speed together. Um, we don't, we, you know, he's not taking over Alabama where it's like, well, boy, he might be nutty and he might not be that smart, but what talent they'll, they'll win in spite of him. That's not the case here. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if that can happen. Like, I mean, can, can this program thrive? If he's, you know, not good at his job, I highly doubt it. I mean, and that that would probably be for 99% of college football programs, but this one's not good enough to say, well, you know, the head coach could just be average, but we'll we'll get through it. We'll still be great. So to get Herm, we had to buy out Todd Graham, and everyone freaked out about how much money that was going to cost and Mm -hmm. what does our budget look like and how is that going to work. And then Ray Anderson decides, you know what? Let's blow that budget out. Let's let's stop talking about Todd Graham. Let's start talking about 160 160 million dollars to yeah. renovate Wells Fargo Arena and then build a hockey arena next door yeah. and other yeah. public space, you know, it, it's if Michael Crow could have torn down all of the fraternities and done this years ago, he would have. <laughs> well, it- it sounds like, from what I read, uh, the, the fraternity space is going to be used for a parking structure that will take the place of the parking that's being gone when the, with the extra arena. Um, you know, it's an interesting idea. I mean, it sounds cool. You know, I, I hope it works out. I've, I've uh, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of these grandiose ideas with ASU the last few years, and a few of them have, have happened, um, you know, especially with football. You know, we're going to build a football facility. We're going to renovate the stadium. Well, it's it's happened or it's happening. Other things have not. Um, you know, and so I'm I'm kind of reticent to get too excited until this becomes more of a reality. It's just a lot of it, it, it's a lot of egg on their face if this doesn't happen now. It is because this it was is. a large public proclamation. This wasn't a you know, one of the things we're considering or we know, I mean, everyone knew that the next thing to be fixed up was going to be the arena. Right. But this is not saying, you know, we're looking at a lot of different options from, from just renovating on the current, you know, structure to building a brand new arena. You know, they, they could have put it on a spectrum of possible options. And instead they said, Nope. This is what we're this doing. This is the plan. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, you gotta you gotta advance. I mean, you know, we've heard for three, four years now. Boy, that arena. I mean, going back to when Herb Sendek was the coach, that arena needs work. They got to do something about that arena. And then when the hockey program started, what are you going to do about hockey? And you know, for for a brief brief time, it was you know the Coyotes are going to play here and they're going to share an arena with ASU. And we've heard a lot of ideas, and this is this is the first real specific one. So that's good. I mean, that's the natural progression you've got to have. And, and uh, you know, hey, I, I want to get excited, but it's still it's still early in the offing for me. Um, you know, I got to I got to see, you know, shovels in the ground, basically, sort of like what happened. with you know, we heard it for years about football. Well, they got to do work on that football stadium. Well, then it finally happened. They took apart the west side. They rebuilt it last year was the north side and the scoreboard. This year, the east side has been, you know, torn down and they're in the process of rebuilding it. So that's good, you know, and, and I got to, I got to see it start before I get too excited about it for basketball and all the other sports, I guess. While we're on the basketball program, Doug Haller's article, I don't know if you had a chance to look at it about I the did. recruitment of Tayshawn Cherry. Yeah. Really good. Really interesting. It was. It was yeah. And, and it's not just the local publicity that we're getting. I mean, obviously Having a top ten recruiting class by most ranking services helps, but you know Pat Forty wrote a story about Bobby Hurley, mm-hmm. and even though the team has slumped down and they're twenty first in the country, there's still all the positive buzz and all the positive there momentum. Is. There yeah. is, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, and, and um, you know, having that recruiting success that's going on right now, 
adds to that because because it doesn't at least right now and it's just right now but it doesn't feel like this is a a one-year blip that you know this this good season that we had and certainly great start um and good season that's ongoing is like well enjoy it while it lasts because it ain't going to get any better than this it kind of feels like you know this is the start of something hopefully um and you know it ties into what we were just talking about it would be probably harder to push through this idea to spend all this money on a new arena if the basketball program wasn't doing well. If, if they were struggling like they were last year, this season, and they were, you know, instead of being 15 and four, they were, you know, what, eight and 11. Um, it probably wouldn't be as easy to push this through. But success always makes people more willing to open up their wallets. Can we please take some portion of that $160 million? And just put it in a pizza box with cash for Bobby Hurley to stay. <laughs> I just, you know, yeah, like it, that, could you it know. fall? Could something fall off the back of a truck and land in Bobby Hurley's bank account? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have to reward him for the job he's doing. Um, you know, and that's that's the price of doing business. Same as spending money on a new arena. I mean, you gotta, you know, what what have we talked about? for so long it feels like decades and decades it hasn't really been that long but it feels that way for asu in general is if you're going to be big time you have to be big time all the way through you can't say we're going to win championships and we're going to compete with the best and then small time at half the way you just can't so you got to be able to spend you got to be able to you know compete with facilities been impressed by what they've done with football in that regard they have spent they've spent more money on assistance they've spent on renovating facilities and you got to keep doing it. If you want to hang with the big boys in basketball, you have to go all the way. You, you know, you can't cheap out on a coach and you can't play in a rundown arena. You, you got to do this. And you know, that appears to be what they're trying to do. With all of that, it's now time for the rant that we promised. <laughs> The Baseball Hall of Fame made their announcement on who the voters inducted and not shocking at all. Chipper Jones comfortably in. Yeah. Vlad Guerrero in. Trevor Hoffman, one of two players with 600 saves in. Personal favorite, kind of surprised. Statistically, he deserves it, although his career to me was a lot of very good years and no – yeah. Elite year, Jim Tomey gets in. Yeah, yeah. Notably not in heroes like Omar Vizquel and Scott <laughs> Rowland. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that's where the rant's going to come, Matt. What, what did you think of the people? Do you have any problem with who got in first before we get oh, into Oh, not who- at all. Not at all. Not at all, no. I mean, um, you know, I, Chipper Jones was uh, one of the, you know, most consistently really good players for 20 years. Uh, absolutely deserves it. You know, great career. Vlad Guerrero, I've always been a Vlad Guerrero fan. One of my favorite players of all time. Uh, to me, one of the most natural hitters I've ever seen. You know, he could hit anything. I mean, you could throw the ball six feet short of him and bounce it to him, or you could throw it at his eyes and he could hit it. Uh, and, and such, you know, what a great outfielder, great arm. I mean, he how, was, he had to, how he had to wait a year, I don't know. Like his, he, to me, he should have been a slam dunk. His throwing... From the outfield, you know, yes. we marvel now at Puig's ability to throw runners right. out. You just didn't run on Guerrero after no, his third not. year with the Expos. It, it just no, you, you stopped not. doing it. So, so good. I mean, it's just just a really, really good player who absolutely deserves to be in. You know, I'm I'm a little surprised. You know, you and I have discussed this. I kind of don't like the notion of you know what's a first ballot Hall of Famer and what's not. But I think first ballot, you can kind of almost substitute the word for like automatic, don't even think about it. That's, you know, I'm not sure Jim Tomey was that. Had a great career. Um, but, you know, as you said, I, I kind of agree. Was he one of those guys that, as you watched him over the course of his career, did you say, man, this guy's one of the all time, all time greats? Probably not. Um, but, you know, deserving to be in. And Trevor Hoffman is too. I, you know, got no problem with any of the four getting in. Um, wish we could spend more time talking about those four. That's that's probably my biggest takeaway from what's happened here. Nobody's talking about those four because we're more focused on who didn't get in because the story continues to be who didn't get in 
rather than just put those guys in and move on. Before we get into who's not in, Jim Tomey stunned me with his final career numbers. He, yeah. you know, the 600 homers and everything, because in my mind, he was a very good power hitter. But if you would have asked me in any given year, was he significantly statistically better than Paul Konerko, a multi-time all-star? I would have been hard pressed to be like, oh yeah, Jim Tomey is light years ahead of him. But then when you look at every year, you know, stacked together, it's like, oh wow, he was, you you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that he has 600 homers and both of us are kind of saying, you know, his career was, well, it was really good, but was it great? It shows you how how devalued the home run numbers have become. Because I mean, God, when we were growing up, six hundred, five hundred homers was uh, you know a huge benchmark, and six hundred. I mean, when we were kids, there were what? There were three, four people, three. three? Yeah. It was Mays, Aaron, Mays, Aaron Ruth, and Ruth. Right? Yep. Yeah, and that was hollowed ground. I mean, if you talked about a guy getting to six hundred homers, it was like wow, unbelievable career. Um, the home run became, you know, such a huge thing, and guys were blasting the ball out of the park in amazing numbers. Plus, I mean, looking really, Tony just played forever. I mean, he played 22 years, mm-hmm. um, and and so it, you know, it's one of those that is kind of almost about longevity as much as as much as sustain. You know, like he didn't ever. You're right. He didn't really ever have a great. I mean, I don't think he ever won an MVP, or really was close. I'm looking at it here right now as we talk. Never finished higher than fourth in the MVP. Um, only a, what five-time All Star, uh, you know. So you'd think a guy who had 600 homers would be like, "Wow, he's been to the All Star game 15 times and he won three MVPs." Not really anywhere close to that. No, well, and it's funny because the guy who you're describing, you know, he's Barry Bonds, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. many many All you know All Star every year, multiple yeah. MVPs. Yeah. Never. Tom Hodricourt, the the Brewers beat writer who's a on the Baseball Writers Association, uh, yeah. explained his vote, and I thought the way he did it was good. He he said, I initially didn't vote for Bonds and Clemens, mm-hmm. but we let in guys. Look at the earlier classes. Yeah. We let in guys who everyone kind of suspected did it. Yeah. So I, meaning Hodricourt, adjusted right. my perspective and am saying, if you didn't test positive, I'm not punishing you for what I think you did. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a that's a good way to put it. I, I think I read Jason Stark tweeted yesterday, right after they came out, basically said, you know, for those of you who say don't vote in the steroid users, provide me a list of the steroid users, and and if you could give me a comprehensive list of who used steroids and who didn't, then I'll happily go along. But we don't know. And and I think Buster only made a very similar point that basically, you know, kind of said, like, to say someone did it clean is irresponsible because we don't know. We just know that they haven't been associated with something, but that doesn't mean that they did it clean. Yeah, that, we I only mean, know who got misnomer. caught. If you want right. to say I'm not voting for A-Rod and Manny Ramirez, yes, okay. I guess. Now, again, I, I don't even agree with that. I think they should be. But that is at least a standard. You're, you're, you're having an actual standard of saying these guys tested positive. These guys were suspended. I'm not going to. OK, I'll buy that. Again, I don't agree with it, but at least it's a black and white standard. But to just, you know, I think that's a great point. I mean, Pudge Rodriguez widely assumed, presumed, you know, a lot of lot of evidence that he probably used PEDs. It's okay for him, apparently. But for Barry Bonds, it's not. For Roger Clemens, it's not. For Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, it's not. So it, there's just such a there's such a double standard or no standard yeah. of kind of who it's okay and who it's not okay. Mike Piazza, Jeff Bagwell. There have been whispers about a fair amount of those guys. Yeah, but well, it's just whispers. You and, know, should we keep them out because of whispers? I don't know. I don't think we should. Here, Here's the one that I think is going to be the interesting test case. Everyone... You know, well, I you know, set aside A Rod and Bonds and Clemens yeah. and those guys. Next year, Andy Pettit's up, and I don't yeah. know if Andy Pettit's a Hall of Famer. That's a debate that you and I have had. Yeah. You know, his postseason record, both with the Astros and it's the amazing. Yankees, is terrific. But yeah. he got caught. He he, he got caught, and we don't talk about it anymore. 
But he, he, yeah. he is a black and white case. We know Andy Pettit tested right. positive. Right, right. If but you Andy vote Pettit for doesn't. if you vote for Andy Pettit, it means you liked Andy Pettit and you didn't yes. like Barry Bonds and you didn't like Roger yes. Clemens. Roger That's Clemens exactly. was Andy, Andy Pettit. Pettit's teammate and he never yeah. got caught on the Yankees nope. or Astros. Andy Pettit doesn't make us nervous. I mean, you know, that that to me is the thing. Andy Pettis doesn't make us uncomfortable. He was a really good pitcher, but he was never an all-time great. You know, he won he won 250 some games. Great postseason. I think he might hold the record for most postseason wins or certainly very close to it. Um, you know, won won a bunch of championships, got to a few other World Series on, you know, losing team. Probably probably pitched in six or seven World Series, I'm guessing. Um, but he was, you know, he was never Roger Clemens. He was never a all-time great. We didn't hold him up as an example of, oh, my God, this guy's the greatest ever. And that seems to make us nervous. When Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, like, well, you guys were too good. That, to me, is how it feels. You guys were too good with cheating, and we're going to take it out on you. We're going to keep you all out. In my mind, my new Jack Morris, because forever Jack Morris was my guy. Right, who right. should have been in, and now thankfully now we'll get the is. we'll get the call with Alan Trammell yes. on the yes. Veterans Committee. My new guy is Musina. That guy yeah. should be in. Yeah, he and he's making gains. Uh, you know, he's he's. I think I read he's gone from like twenty percent his first year to over fifty percent now. So you know, he's he's made a lot of progress. Um, you know, I would have no problem with Mike Musina getting in. But uh, he pitched his whole career in the AL East, 278 yeah. wins. You yeah. know, I mean, do I have a problem with Mike Buccino being a Hall of Famer? No. Do I have a problem with him being a Hall of Famer and Roger Clemens not? Absolutely. And and you know, I got I, a friend of mine texted me yesterday. You know, because Roy Halladay's up next year. You think Roy Halladay's a Hall of Famer? My answer back was not if Roger Clemens isn't. Now that was a Weisenhammer answer, and I, you know, we ended up. You know, I, I gave him a legitimate answer, but it's like. How can I just? I mean, how can I put Roy Halladay in the Hall of Fame when Roger Clemens isn't? Roy Halladay. I mean, Roy Halladay, by the way, to me is Jack Morris. He was a dominant yeah. pitcher for a decade. He has on some, bad teams. Yeah, on, and he yeah. has a marquee game. The way Morris did for the World the Series, he game. he threw the perfect game in the playoffs. Right. And, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and I got I would have no problem with him getting in. I mean, I generally feel like most of the time when we talk Hall of Fame, you you know. You first introduced us by saying you have a problem with guys who get in. I generally feel like no. I mean, unless it's like just a crazy thing. Because one, I feel like once they're in, they're in. There's you know arguing about it. I mean, Kurt Warner in the in the football Hall of Fame. I didn't personally think Kurt Warner should have made the Hall of Fame, but he got voted in. So having an argument about well, I don't think he should be in is a waste of time. He's in, and it's not going to change. Uh, you know, people smarter than me who know a lot more football than me voted him in, so he's in. That's that. Um, but, you know, the more interesting debate is who's in, who's not in. And I guess, as I uh, kind of alluded to this, I almost feel for the guys who are getting in because nobody's talking about them. The story continues to be who's not in. If we'd just gotten over it, gotten over the uneasiness and the uncomfortableness and put them in the Hall of Fame five years ago when they first came up, we would have forgot about it by now. They'd have been in and we would have moved on. But it continues to be a story because they're being kept out. The other guy, which is where I thought you were going on the Mike Mussina one, yeah. and really the Andy Pettit one, quite honestly, is mm-hmm. Schilling. If those two guys should be in, I, I hate Kurt Schilling's oh, personal Schilling, views. Schilling. Yes. You know, but Kurt Schilling was a. World Series hero, yeah, for two different franchises, for two different teams, and and helped the Phillies make a World Series in his younger days. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I think Kirk Schilling should be in. He's he's a bombastic, loudmouth who I wish would you know go away, but he should be in the Hall of Fame again. That these are the these are the distinctions, you know. Do I mean I wasn't a Roger Clemens fan. I was not. I never liked Roger Clemens. Um, I. I wasn't a huge Bonds fan. I kind of liked him because he went to ASU, but it wasn't like he was my favorite player. I didn't like the Giants much. But they're great players. They ought to be in. Now, I mean, do I think Clemens, uh, you know, was a, was a miserable person? Probably. I mean, for, you know, do I think they probably took steroids? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have proof of it. No one does. 
but do I do I think reasonable people can agree that they did? Uh huh. But uh, you know, again, then we get into that standard of of where do you draw the line, and no one seems to be able to to draw a line that makes sense to me. If, again, I'll agree with you. If you want to say you tested positive, I'm not putting you in the Hall of Fame. Okay, at least I can see your rationale. But to just say, well, yeah, he hit a whole lot of home runs, and I think he cheated. So I'm going to keep him out. But another guy, he didn't hit as many home runs. He might have cheated, but I'm going to vote him in. That doesn't make any sense. Well, the other thing for me, and I absolutely, I'm using this example. Let me caveat it to the extreme. I do not believe that this person who I'm about to say cheated. I don't mm-hmm. think that anyone has ever mentioned it or whispered it, and it would be mm-hmm. foolish of them to. Ken Griffey Jr. played in this era, and Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, hit a lot of home runs. And he He got hurt a lot and came back a lot. Yes, he did. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking about Jim Tomey. I mean, Jim Tomey was a natural power hitter. Yes, he was a guy who just looked like a power hitter. But are we sure, Jim Tomey? I mean, we talked about those numbers. Those numbers are insane. 600 home runs? That would have been laughable. You know, so are we sure Jim Tomey did it clean? I mean, are we 100% sure? I mean, other guys who looked like power hitters, Mark McGuire looked like a power hitter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and he didn't hit 600 home runs, and we know he cheated because he admitted to it. So, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, and that's that's what Buster Olney's point was so good, and I wish people would would think about this before they say it. It's it's not, and I agree with you. You're not saying Ken Griffey's a cheater. I'm not saying Jim Tomey is. We're simply saying let's not just assume that they're clean because we haven't heard them tied to anything, and that's that's kind of what we've gotten into is. Well, we, you know, Barry Bonds was tied to Balco, and Roger Clemens was tied to Brian McNamee, so they're guilty. This guy we don't know anything about, so we'll just assume he's good. How many times do we have to go down this road in sports of, of you know, assuming something about someone, whether it's, you know, using PEDs or whether it's being an all-American family man or whether it's, uh, you know, anything that we, you know, get exposed for scandals in sports, and then we say, boy, I didn't see that coming. Well, but let's let's stop being fools. Let's stop being naive and just assuming things are good because we don't know they're bad. Four years from now is going to be an interesting test case. When David Ortiz is up, David Ortiz yeah. never tested positive for anything, but not was but, did. but not was rumored tied to anything or a company right. is is rumored to be one of the names on the hundred and three player positive. list who tested positive right. before the right. official testing began. Yeah, but again, as we've talked about, David Ortiz was a fun-loving character. People loved him, and and he wrote it. He wrote out the storm, and he continued to produce. And again, you know, if you want to be cynical, you can say, well, maybe he was still cheating at the end, and that's why he continued to produce. Um, I don't know, but I think David Ortiz will get in the Hall of Fame. Will He's he be beloved. first ballot? I'm not sure. I mean. First ballot is, is kind of, there are people who just won't vote for guys on the first ballot unless they are, you know, the, the you know, Derek Jeters of the world, basically. But I think he will, and I think he should. I mean, he was a great player. I wouldn't be against, I mean, you're right, he will be an interesting case. Um, well, because here's the thing. It is more likely to me that he used steroids in the major leagues than Bonds, based on the yeah. evidence that's there. But... Bonds was a prickly, difficult, yep, very much. famous person. Very much. And David yeah. Ortiz was a beloved. One of my favorite yeah. This Is Sports Center commercials is him trying on the hat and Wally <laughs> the Green Monster season. Or, yeah, uh, yeah, no doubt. No you know, doubt. his you reaction know. to the Boston bombing and, and he grabbed right. the mic. That, you know, right. Those are well, moments and, and, that you know, resonate. The other, no doubt. No doubt. And, and, you know, you say four years from now, that's the same time Alex Rodriguez is going to come up. And we talk about Alex Rodriguez was not beloved, but he's becoming that way. Talk about a guy who has changed his image tremendously in the last, you know, year and a half. He is, you know, he is Mr. All-American guy now. He's on college game day. He's, he's going to be on Sunday Night Baseball this year. He's hanging out and dating J-Lo, and everybody loves Alex Rodriguez. And, like, first of all, where was this love when he played baseball? I don't know. But by the time he comes up, will we have forgotten our enmity toward him and just say, oh, he was great. We love A-Rod. Put it in. Yeah. I mean, he hit 696 homers and was— And he should be in. Yeah. Alex Rodriguez is one of the best baseball players of our lifetime. So is Barry Bonds. 
You know, I mean, regardless of, of if their numbers are inflated, and, and I'm certain that they are. Uh, you know, with, without steroids, would Barry Bonds have hit 762 home runs? Probably not. Without Rodriguez, have hit 696? Probably not. You know, but he would have but, stolen more bases. Both of them would have stolen more bases. He would have. Yeah, and, and they are great players. I mean, that is the thing I I get I, I look at, and you know, I don't know if I I don't think I texted you about this. Couple last weekend, I was going through the channel guide, and I see there's a show on MLB Network about the Hall of Fame, and it says, you know, the title was. Hall of Heroes, and I'm thinking that therein lies the problem. It's they're not heroes. They're great baseball players. Uh, you know, they're they're not heroes. Heroes are, are are the people. I mean, I don't mean to get sappy, but they're the people who go to work and work two jobs so they can put food on the table for their family. Great baseball players are not heroes. They're great baseball players. So let's acknowledge them as that and move on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's entirely fair. They, you right. know, they have. The dream job, but they, you know, yes, they get. I mean, to, again, I love sports, and do I idolize athletes? I mean, in in a sense, I do. You know, I mean, you've been to my house, you've seen the displays I've got of things for Peyton Manning and Tim Duncan and Tiger Woods, and um, but they aren't heroes. They're great athletes. I like them because they're great athletes. But Tiger Woods is not my hero. I love him. I love. I mean, I love watching him play golf. I followed him today as I worked. You know, as he was back playing golf, but he ain't my hero. I gotta, you know, I mean, like he's he's just he's just a human being who's great at golf. Yeah, you know, I I I will cop to my biases. I, I'm looking as I'm sitting here at an at a Barry Bonds autograph on my wall. So <laughs> sure, I mean, you know. me too. I've got my my picture with Barry Bonds at, at Packard Stadium when he came back. You know, the last year at Packard, and and I, I like Barry Bonds for that reason. Um, you know, but he's not a hero of mine. He's a guy who I, I concede is one of the best baseball players I ever saw. And he went to ASU, so I like him in, in a sense because of that. Um, but that's why he should be in the Hall of Fame, because he's one of the best baseball players we all ever saw. And and that that should be the only standard we look at. Yeah, I mean, for me, part of you know the analysis, when it's a close call, and I don't think Bonds is, I don't think McGuire no. is, but... There are things I remember, like Ken Griffey yeah. Jr. backwards hat, home run yeah. derby, picture perfect swing end. Yeah, Barry yeah. Bonds hitting the ball into McCovey Cove. Yeah. McGuire yeah. hitting no hitting a home run sixty two into Big Macland. Like th- yeah. these are the things yeah. you know on a on a very personal specific one one that you were there for. Albert Pujols hitting the hardest hit ball I've ever seen leave a stadium. I mean, yes. just smoked a line drive homer at Bank One Ballpark when he was with the Cubs. Yes, yes, you know? yes. But yeah. those are the things no. that, like, you know, I don't no, understand no, I how agree. those guys wouldn't be in. I agree. I mean, you know, Bonds is a seven-time MVP. I mean, I was just looking that up as we were talking about Jim Tomey. Seven times the MVP. Roger Clemens, I didn't look. But didn't he win seven Cy Youngs? Something I mean, like we're, that. We're just talking about guys who did things that nobody ever did before statistically and and past statistics so just to to not put them in it's just i mean i think about when i was a kid and learning the history of the game and one of the places you learn the history of the game is to look at the hall of fame you know yeah i got i got books when i was a kid about hall of famers all-time greats and the sports almanac and now you know you don't need to get that stuff in books anymore you can read it online but that's how you learn who the greats are. And now I think about a kid nowadays, and how do you teach them the greats of baseball when they look at the Hall of Fame and the all-time hit leader and the all-time home run leader and assorted other all-time great players aren't there? And it just doesn't – I mean, it, it would be like if we were growing up and Walter Payton and Johnny Unitas were not in the Football Hall of Fame. They're like, well, somebody's missing. How do you not have them in the Hall of Fame? They're all-timers. OJ's there. <laughs> he is, and he should be. He's an all-timer. Again, is O.J. Simpson a hero? No. I mean, by all accounts, O.J. Simpson's a bad person. Whether you think he's guilty of murder or not, he's not a good person. But a great football player. And so he deserves to be recognized as a great football player. I will, I will leave you with this thought on the, on the issue, and then I'll be done. When... You look at the voting and the patterns and the changes mm-hmm. for the Hall of Fame. The younger people 
seem to be more aligned with our view. Yes. What concerns me about that is I, I finally feel like I have a, a grasp of how the committees work for electing people. Right. And next year's the window for the for the modern era. Right. Um, I, I don't know how long it'll take for those people to you know work their way onto these committees to give these guys yeah. a second look. And I, I also like don't isn't McGuire on that list now because he's yeah. not in the he's not in the group that's still being voted on by the writers, but I think he's in the whatever you know category it is. He um, is, and, and, and the thing and, is, would it will it take that group putting yeah. them in to let the writers probably you know do probably? It? I mean, I don't know. I, I you know I was I was hoping I didn't think Bonds and Clemens would get in this year. I was a little, as somebody who thinks they should be, I was discouraged they didn't gain more than they did. Um, they gained a little, but not much. And, and you know, they only have, I think, four more years to get in, or maybe three. Uh, you know, I, I heard Kirchin on ESPN, you know, basically predicting he thinks they'll get in in their last year. That, you know, they, you know enough people will be persuaded to vote for them in their last year to get in. Uh, I hope that's true. Um I mean, I'd like to see him get in before that if I had my hopes, obviously. But I don't know. I mean, will it? Is it? Is it? Or is it going to take something like, you know, flip it back to what you were saying? Something where we find out that Ken Griffey or Pudge Rodriguez or Mike Piazza or somebody was involved in steroids too, and and they're already in, and so we say, well, you know what? The you know the dam is broken. Let's just let them all in. I don't know. I I don't know what it's going to take. Yeah, it's, you know, I guess if you are the Hall of Fame and you're Major League Baseball, yeah, a lot of time, a lot of airtime on the radio and TV, a lot of print and online yeah. coverage is generated three weeks before pitchers and catchers report. So It is. It is. I mean, it, you know, it's as I was saying, I mean, I said earlier, like, you know, it's too bad we're talking more about who's not in than who got in. But in reality, that's the way the world works now. It's certainly the way sports works. We talk about who's to blame a lot more than who's to credit. We talk about who lost a lot more than who won. Um, and, and so in some ways, that maybe is just the nature of the beast. But I really think, you know, like, again, Bonds and Clemens shouldn't have been part of this year's class. So in some ways, I do feel for guys like Chipper Jones and Vlad Guerrero who are thinking, man, you know, uh, give me my due and everybody's talking about you know Barry Bonds he retired five years before me uh, you know he should have already been in we should have moved on by now well and think about the fear of you know who's going to be eligible in Bonds and Clemens's last yeah. year last year yeah you know? yeah and I don't I don't know who it, you know it's going to be around the time of that A-Rod Ortiz I don't know if it'll be the exact same year I guess I'm not sure how many more years they've got I know we're we're more than halfway through their tenure because of course let's not forget they also you know rigged the voting by cutting down the tenure now you only get 10 years instead of 15 years um so they're trying they're trying to get these guys off the ballot as quickly as possible i feel like um you know so i don't know it, it will be interesting to see and and um where it goes i again i think eventually some of them will get in but a guy like mark mcguire i don't know I really don't know if he will ever get in, and I think that's a shame because I think he should be. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the guy who's completely off is Sosa. There's Sosa. I mean, no one's even talking about that Sosa. Rafael Palmero, uh, you know, another one that, uh, you know. Now, Rafael Palmero had kind of a Jim Tomey-like career. You know, Jim, he was never really one of the best players in the game, but his numbers over the course of his entire career were incredible. Well, and um, he, had, he hit both. Milestones, 500 homers and 3,000 hits. He did. I mean, which, you know, used to be, again, when we were kids, and you got one of those, you didn't think about it. You had both. It was like, you know, it was a very, very exclusive list. Less exclusive than it, than it you know, now than it was then, but still pretty rare. Um, you know, and, and he's not even on the radar. I mean, he is completely gone from the radar. Probably why he's trying to come back at age, you know, 48 or 49, you know, so he could restart his clock. Um, so I don't, I don't know, you know, yeah, there are, and, and you're right about Sosa. I mean, McGuire and Sosa are such, you know, such a huge part of baseball history with what they did in 98. 
and they've been totally forgotten. And like everybody talks about Bonds and Clemens because of their unbelievable careers over the depth of their career. McGuire and Sosa didn't have that kind of volume, but they had amazing careers and certainly amazing runs there, especially in 98. And it's like that has just been totally forgotten. Well, I mean, I think that there is a colorable argument to be made that not not that it was ever going to die, but that McGuire and Sosa, along with Griffey, uh-huh. basically rescued baseball from being, you know, a niche sport where the it, the stadiums were going to come back down to soccer sized. Yeah, it, it you know that, and I mean, I've I've always felt the Ripken consecutive games and the the summer of '98 home run combined to get baseball back into people's hearts in some ways. Now, there are some people who never, you know, never rediscovered the love for baseball they had before the strike, who hold it, you know. But it made baseball relevant on a national stage and in the immediate aftermath of the strike in 94, um, even more so than the, the Ripken. I mean, the Ripken streak was big news, but the summer of 98, baseball was the thing. And, and they needed that. And I think they turned a blind eye to what was going on because they had it. And they weren't going to, you know, kill the golden goose. Um, and, and, you know, now it's like we, we have just totally changed the narrative on that. I mean, I, I found some old magazines when my parents moved last year, you know, about McGuire Sosa and, and the way they were just <laughs> regaled as, as heroes, to use that word. And now 20 years later, they have just turned into, you know, villains who we just try to forget they ever existed, basically. Yeah. But... That all doesn't matter. You can basically uh, just bring that World Series trophy to Milwaukee for this season, and uh, <laughs> this is on. This is on recording. Yeah. Oh no, we're recording. Okay. Uh, okay. This is all live. I assume that uh, you know Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain will be battling it out for MVP yeah. of the National League. I mean, for the duration know, like, of their five years that they're under Milwaukee right. control. So, like, like I said before we started recording, I mean, it's like adding two Mickey Mantles. Yeah, it's almost not fair. I don't even know what right. the Cubs are going to do. I mean, no, sure, I, I Bryant mean, and Rizzo know. are decent players, but sure, you might as I well mean, just I, roll up the sidewalks for this five years and, and yeah, start over. Pretty much just moving on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's time to just sell off all their assets and rebuild. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of teams could take a lesson from the Marlins. Just just give up now. <laughs> the season's That's over. Right. Well, you know, are there some other legends out there who don't actually have enough money to buy a team, but the baseball will let them buy a team, and then and then they can just you know cut everything about the team. Oh, I'm sure. I'm okay. Awesome. Well, then then there's still hope. Yeah. Good point. Um, ASU basketball has games at home. We didn't really yep. preview them, but Tonight. they're happening. Uh, Matt and I will be back next week. Maybe we'll talk more about that. It'll be a lot closer to signing day in football, so maybe Herm yes. Edwards will have figured out what it takes to recruit kids. Yes, <laughs> and I, I guess we have to preview the Super Bowl. I don't we think talk so. about the Super Bowl at all. Which <laughs> you know, not to get on a you know, just a kind of a little point. What does it say that we just talked for an hour? We're ten days from the Super Bowl. We didn't mention the Super Bowl. The XFL is coming. I don't need the NFL True. anymore. Uh, it's just interesting to me. I, you know, times times seem to be shifting a little bit. NFL's still the big dog, but maybe not such a big dog as they used to be. We didn't even talk about the NBA All Star Draft. We didn't. And LeBron, is, you know, yeah, LeBron I mean, got himself Kyrie. He did. <laughs> he did, and reunited KD and Westbrook. Yeah, it's uh, be, some, be some good drama. He's he is a uniter. Everyone talks he about – everyone gives LeBron a hard time about yes, being yes. divisive and not telling Cleveland. All he wants to do is bring people together and try to make things I know. Work. I know. I wish it had been televised. I know. I mean I know the Players Association didn't want that, but they got to do that. It's not like that. That's the drama that we want. This is why the NBA is on the rise because of the soap opera drama that people love. And the NBA has got it in spades. I hope that the first practice devolves into a giant fight and Steve Kerr has to break it up. <laughs> it's possible it's possible yeah i don't know it'll it'll be interesting you know they'll make nice you know Kyrie will throw lebron and alley hoop and they'll they'll hug it up and we'll have that fun moment but, there'll be an elaborate you know, westbrook durant handshake probably probably yeah yeah you know how it is i mean these guys when it comes down to it they'll they'll be on the same page but we love the drama in the nba and it's it, they got a lot of it man i mean 
there's there's drama about the Spurs and the Trailblazers this week. When you got the Spurs and the Trailblazers in the news for drama, you know there's a lot of drama. That's why you're right. It's why they're on the rise and the NFL it is. better watch it out. It is. A lot of personalities and a lot of, you know, off-court drama and people loved it. I mean, you know, and on the court, you know, the Rockets and the Clippers last week and hey, this is this is, you know, the NBA is on the rise and that's a big part of it. Until next time, he's Matt, I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.